0: Thank you for joining us today. This is Expository Insights with Pastor Lyle Wall. Today we are in the Easter account in John's Gospel. This account gives us the truth that is at the center of our faith, at the heart of Easter. We will explore that today. Today we are going to think about the heart of Easter. What is at the center, at the core of Easter? There are many different answers to this question. Some think of a long weekend and the beginning of spring-like weather. And, of course, there are Easter eggs, candy, a special time for children and families, and favorite foods of the season. Many people have memories of past Easter celebrations. One church has a special Easter memory. Their Easter Sunday service began with the choir at the back, marching up to the front, single file, singing, Up from the grave he arose. The first lady in the procession was wearing shoes with very slender heels. As she marched down the aisle, looking straight ahead, she stepped onto a large air vent in the middle of the aisle, and the heel on one shoe got stuck in the grate. Without missing a beat, she slipped out of the shoe and continued straight ahead. So far, so good. The man following her noticed this, and without losing a step, reached down and pulled up her shoe. Quick thinking. But the large grate came up with the shoe. He kept going, somehow holding the shoe and grate in one hand and his music in the other. The next man, who hadn't noticed any of this because he was looking at his music, marched right into the now open vent and disappeared from sight. The rest of the choir, fortunately, avoided this pitfall. When the entire choir was up at the front and everyone had sung, hallelujah, Christ arose, a voice was heard shouting, I hope you all are out of the way, cause I'm coming out now. A little girl close to the aisle shouted excitedly, Come on, Jesus, we'll stay out of the way. What an Easter memory. We have our own memories of Easter. But what really is the heart of of Easter. What is it really about? Beyond the special times, the embarrassing times, the memories, and the traditions, Jesus' resurrection is the heart of Easter. That is what we are looking at today. We will be based in John's Gospel as part of our ongoing series here, but we'll be looking at other parts of Scripture as well. Let's begin with the reality of the Resurrection. We accept Christ's Resurrection by faith and by facts. Let's start with the facts. There are all kinds of sweeping, wrong, and even ridiculous statements that are made about Jesus' Resurrection. For example, a Canadian survey reported that 20% of respondents Believe the myth of the Da Vinci Code that Jesus' death was faked and that he married and had a family. Setting aside things like that, what does the average person on the street think about the resurrection of Christ? A survey done in the UK revealed that only 20% of the general public believe that Christ was raised from the dead. As well, it showed that only about 30% of all people who say they are Christians believe Christ was raised from the dead. Then also, that less than 60% of active Christians believe he was raised from the dead. Down through the years, many people have seriously studied the historical records of Jesus' resurrection. One scholar wrote, I know of no one fact in the history of mankind which is proved by better and fuller evidence of every sort to the understanding of a fair inquirer than that Christ died and rose again from the dead. Today I want to just outline a few important facts. Let's start with the reality of Jesus' death. The Bible record and common sense refute the idea that Jesus did not die, and clearly establish it. We need to be quick to note, to remember, that if the Bible is not accurate at this point, it cannot be trusted at any point. John's Gospel tells us that right after Jesus cried out, It is finished, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit or died. Jesus died. The Roman soldiers overseeing Jesus' crucifixion recognized that Jesus died. In that same section, chapter 19 of John's Gospel, we read, So the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first man and of the other who was crucified with Jesus. But after they came to Jesus, When they saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. Yet one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and immediately blood and water came out. Make no mistake, the Roman soldiers knew the difference between a person being unconscious and being dead. John's account continues. Now after these things Joseph of Arimathea, being a disciple of Jesus, but a secret one for fear of the Jews, requested of Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus. And Pilate granted permission. So he came and took away his body. Nicodemus, who had first come to him by night, also came, bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about a hundred litres weight. That is about seventy-five pounds, or thirty-four kilograms. So they took the body of Jesus and bound it in linen wrappings with the spices, as is the burial custom of the Jews. Now in the place where he was crucified there was a garden, and in the garden was a new tomb in which no one had yet been laid. Therefore because of the Jewish day of preparation, since the tomb was nearby, they laid Jesus there. Yes, Jesus' body was prepared and placed in a tomb because he had died. Now we go to the reality of the resurrection. The religious leaders feared Jesus' disciples might steal his body and claim a resurrection because Jesus said he would die and rise again. So they went to Pilate. Roman governor to make sure Jesus' tomb was secured with a seal and guards. Matthew's Gospel tells us Pilate said to them, You have a guard. Go, make it as secure as you know how. And the religious leaders went and made the tomb secure with the guard, sealing the stone. But in the morning, on Easter morning, the stone was moved away. Matthew chapter 28 tells us that a severe earthquake had occurred, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled away the stone and sat upon it. The tomb was empty. The angel moved the stone not to let Jesus out, he was already gone, but to let people in, to let them see the evidence of Jesus' resurrection. Jesus then appeared to many people. He appeared to the disciples a number of times, as we see here in chapters 20 and 21 of John's gospel. Acts chapter 1 verse 3 tells us that Jesus presented himself alive after his suffering, that is, after his death and resurrection, by many convincing proofs, appearing to them over a period of 40 days and speaking of things regarding the kingdom of God. Then the Apostle Paul gave a solemn testimony in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I handed down to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, or Peter, then to the twelve, and that he appeared to more than five hundred brothers and sisters at one time, most of whom remain until now, but some have fallen asleep, that is, have died. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared to me also." His testimony is very emphatic as he lists people who saw the resurrected Jesus, and also by using the phrase, he, Jesus, appeared to, four times. This is just the beginning of evidence. Read. Think. Ask the hard questions. Search fully. The resurrection of Jesus is established by the facts. The reality of Jesus' resurrection is also established by faith. Both facts and faith are critically important. There is a good example of this combination from Easter morning here in John's Gospel in chapter 20, beginning at verse 8, as we read earlier. Mary Magdalene had gone to the tomb and saw the stone was rolled away. She ran to tell Peter and John they ran to the tomb, beginning at verse 8. So the other disciple, who had first come to the tomb, also entered then. And he saw and believed. For they did not yet understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. There was much John, the other disciple, did not understand when this took place. But he saw the evidence recalled the scriptures, remembered Jesus' teaching, and now believed that Jesus had been raised from the dead. And that is still the critical issue today for every one of us. Do we see, look at the facts, and then do we believe? Now let's look at some responses to Jesus' resurrection. We can start with the religious leaders, back up to Good Friday, when Jesus was crucified. The religious leaders, I'm sure, breathed a collective sigh of relief, smiles and high-fives all around. Finally, he's out of the way. Now we can get back to normal. But that was short-lived. They had haunting questions, fears, and doubts. So, as we noted earlier, they went to Pilate and asked for a seal on the tomb and guards. But seals and soldiers could not hold Jesus in that tomb. He rose from the dead, quietly passing through the stone, past the soldiers, invisible to them. The guards posted at the tomb told the religious leaders the truth, that a great earthquake struck. An angel appeared whose appearance was like lightning, and his clothing as white as snow. That they shook in fear of him and became like dead men, were knocked unconscious. Now what? What were these leaders to do? They bribed the guards to say that Jesus' disciples stole the body while they were asleep and promised to keep them out of trouble if Pilate found out about this lie that they had been sleeping. Even the reality of Jesus' resurrection, attested to by this group of career soldiers, did not break through the hard hearts of those religious leaders. They rejected Jesus when he ministered, when he was on the cross. They rejected his resurrection, conquering death and sin. Now we turn to Jesus' followers. Some women who came to the tomb were the first to see Jesus after his resurrection. They came to the tomb early that morning and saw the stone had been rolled away. Matthew records the angel telling the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus, who has been crucified. He is not here, for he has risen, just as he said." Come, see the place where he was lying, and go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. They left the tomb quickly, with fear and great joy, and ran to report to his disciples. On their way to report this to the disciples, Jesus met them and said, Rejoice! Then they approached Jesus, took hold of his feet, and worshipped him. Jesus told them, Do not be afraid. Go, bring word to my brethren to leave for Galilee, and there they will see me. Now let's think about the followers, including the disciples. They had more questions than answers. When Jesus appeared to the two men on the road to Emmaus, then to ten of them, and next to the eleven, they saw and they believed. They knew, were fully convinced that he is the risen Messiah, the Savior, God. This was a process that led to a certain realization and conviction, each one individually. Remember Thomas's journey to belief in the fact that Jesus had arisen. He was not with the others when Jesus appeared to them. When they told him, he said, Unless I see in his hands the imprint of the nails, and I put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Eight days later, Jesus appeared to Thomas and the others. Thomas saw. He believed. The disciples dedicated themselves to Jesus in a new way and were used by Him to turn their world upside down. Jesus' resurrection is the heart of Easter. There are literally dozens of reasons from the Bible for it being important. I will briefly point us to just four today, noting some key texts. First, the resurrection is important because it declares Jesus Christ is God the Son, the Savior, the Lord. In the first sermon of the church, the Apostle Peter declared that Jesus was delivered over by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God, and nailed to the cross by the hands of godless men, and was put to death. That it is this Jesus whom God raised up, a fact of which we are all witnesses, and that he has been exalted at the right hand of God. So then, he declared, let all the house of Israel know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ or Savior. The Apostle Paul writes in the opening lines of Romans that Christ Jesus was declared the Son of God by God with power, according to the spirit of holiness, by the resurrection from the dead. And that it is through the risen Christ we have received God's grace. Without the resurrection, Jesus would have been the victim of death, rather than the victor over it. His resurrection tells us that Jesus is God the Son, the Savior, the Lord. Secondly, The resurrection of Jesus is essential to our salvation. Paul preached that through the resurrected Jesus, there is forgiveness of sins. Then he wrote, Now if Christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say that there is no resurrection from the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain, your faith also is in vain. Moreover, we are even found to be false witnesses of God, because we testified against God that He raised Christ, whom He did not raise, if in fact the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, Your faith is worthless. You are still in your sins. Then also, those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If we have hoped in Christ only in this life, we are of all people most to be pitied. In short, if Christ was not raised from the dead, we are following a lie. We are still in our sins and wasting our time. A third key point about the importance of the resurrection is that it gives new life, and then a new way of life. New life. Many of us know John chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. There is no other way to new, everlasting life with God. As the Apostle John wrote, God has given us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. The one who has the Son has the life. The one who does not have the Son of God does not have the life. Then, with this new life, God gives us a new way of life, a new way of living. Scripture tells us, in Romans chapter 6, that believers have been raised spiritually with Christ so that we may walk in newness of life. Sin no longer has to dominate us. We now can walk led by the Holy Spirit, not by our natural fallen nature. We can walk in the good works God has prepared for us. We can walk in the love of God. We can walk in the truth of God's light. We can walk in the way that pleases God in every aspect of life and have fellowship with Him. We can walk worthy of God. A chorus sings of our new life and new way of life. New life in Christ, abundant and free. What glories shine, what joys are mine, what wondrous blessings I see. My past with its sin, the searching and strife, forever gone. There's a bright new dawn. For in Christ I have found new life. The fourth key point for today is that the resurrection is important because it gives us a glorious future with Christ. Here we can look beyond the here and now to heaven to being forever with Christ, family, friends, and believers from the ages. We thought about that a few weeks ago. Remember a few highlights. Seeing Jesus face to face, being where Jesus has prepared a place for us, being glorified with Christ, being where there is no longer any tears or crying, death, mourning for loss or death, pain, having a full, complete up to our ability knowledge, worshiping God, serving God, reigning with Christ. There's much we don't know about that, but what we know is exciting. It's mind-riveting. The resurrection of Jesus is real and critically important. People have responded in many different ways. Now, all these years later, today, on this Easter Sunday, what is your response to the resurrected, living Jesus? Do you know that Christ is risen, that he is alive? Do you know that he offers to forgive your sins through his death and resurrection? Do you know that he wants to have a relationship with you for all your life on earth and then forever in heaven? Then, beyond knowing the truth, What have you done with this truth? What are you going to do with this truth? Not someday, not maybe, but now, today. The religious establishment on the original Easter knew the truth. They rejected it and died in their sin. Jesus did not want that for them, but they refused to step out in faith and believe. He does not want that for you, either. What is your response today? Jesus' promise to you is clear. Remember, think again about God's clear word, His clear promises to you. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son so that everyone who believes in Him will not perish, but have eternal life. Then again, clear statement by the Apostle John in his first letter. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. The one who has the Son has the life. The one who does not have the Son of God does not have the life. Remember, whatever your journey with respect to God has been like to this point, God asks you to see and believe that Jesus died and was raised from the dead for you. Remember the disciple Thomas, who did not believe at first, but when Jesus came to him, he saw and believed. Then, at that point, Jesus made a statement which is addressed directly to every generation, to every person from that day on a statement directly to every one of us here today. He said, Blessed are they who did not see, and yet believed. There is a blessing of God upon everyone who hears the good news of Jesus dying for our sin, of being raised from the dead in victory over sin and death, and who, without seeing the resurrected Jesus, believes. It all comes down to your response to Jesus. What is it? There are only two options. To believe or not believe. To be forgiven or not be forgiven. To have everlasting life with God or not have everlasting life with God. This is the most important decision you will ever make. You may have tried to ignore it or postpone it for any one of a million different reasons. Enough of that. Come to God now. Tell Him, I believe that Jesus died on the cross and was raised from the dead for me. I put my trust in Him. Forgive me of my sins. Give me life with you now and forever. And then Easter will be your birthday, that is, your spiritual birthday. The angels of heaven will rejoice with you, as will God's people here. Jesus' resurrection is the heart of Easter. Bow with me in prayer. God, our wonderful, loving, gracious Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for your love that sent him into the world to become one of us, to be our Savior. Thank you that he willingly became our substitute. He died on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins. Thank you for raising him from the dead in victory over sin and death. May we always remember that Jesus' resurrection is the heart of Easter. We pray in our risen and living Savior's name. Amen.